This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show, SB Nation's place for all Miami Dolphins content you could ask for. And we today are going to answer the 10 burning questions following Miami's loss to Chicago on Saturday. But before we get into all the action, if I'm Jake Mendel, that must mean I'm joined by the one and only Joshua Houts. Joshua, how are you doing today? Did you get tripped up when I... Uh, Made the doc title that the Dolphins lost to Buffalo. Can you tell I'm still shooken up from last year? No, I got shaken up trying <laughs> I just to, realized that. <laughs> I got shaken up trying to do this intro that you tried to make me do. So uh, we're all over the place. But, Jake, um, you know, it was just nice to have football back in our lives. And, you know, there's going to be lots of good, plenty of bad to talk about. But before we do all that, Jake, you got to tell everyone. Yesterday was my daughter's birthday. She just turned two. But, Jake, I believe you're 27 now. So how's it feel, you old bastard? Uh, you, you just kind of mentioned it kind of all over the place. Uh the preseason games, it's a nice little bonus this time of the month. You know, you get your birthday. But, the Josh, the one issue with a late summer birthday was growing up, you know, going through school, you would never get to celebrate your birthday with all your classmates. And not only that, when you're look for, looking forward to your birthday, it was right when summer vacation was ending. So, long story short, thank God we had football because otherwise I'm not a huge fan of summer birthdays. No, summer birthdays are, there's nothing good that comes from them except for, again, my daughter and you. But Jake, we had lots <laughs> to talk about. You did a nice rundown here. You got 10 burning questions that we have after the Miami Dolphins. Again, 20 to 13 loss. I mean, I let's be honest, Jake, this, the starters look pretty good in that first quarter. Saw some good from Tua. Lots to talk about. Let's jump right into it. I love how you have it here. Chef Tua did look like the Dolphins were going to let him cook a little bit when 8 of 11 for 99 yards. Did have that interception in the end zone. We can talk about that till we're blue in the face, Jake. But, I mean, it looked like he was looking right, trying to move the safety and was just late with the throw. Um, you would have loved to see him force that thing in there to Shaheen. But, overall, a good performance, I thought, from Tua, but obviously overclouded by that interception in the end zone. What were your thoughts? Josh, I think you're playing Jeopardy over here because uh, you, did, you, did not, you gave me the answer and I have to say the question, seeing this is our 10 burning questions. Uh, Chef Tua, dot, dot, dot. Any questions is the question for the first one. Um, 
we're not going to get too jazzed up about a performance like that, but he too was someone who looked comfortable back there. His pocket presence looked fantastic. In fact, all three of the quarterbacks, their presence looked fantastic. Uh, when you keep in mind the fact that Albert Wilson, uh, Fonte Parker, Alan Hearns, these guys aren't playing. You know, I, I thought Tua looked pretty good. Everyone wanted to get hung up on the interception. Uh, or on the other side, everyone wanted to get hung up on uh, Gusecki's big catch there where Tua seemed to have all day in the pocket. And, uh, Josh, that's kind of another thing that I'm not used to seeing in Miami is a quarterback having enough time to do something with the ball and then actually doing something with the ball other than throwing it away because nobody's open. Yeah, and I mean, we can't sit here and really praise the offensive line for that performance. And I mean, we're going to sit here and probably talk about there the were re- moments. The revo- like, yeah, they're, they're, they're bad, really, but there were moments. There was, and you're right. In that play, I mean, it looked like he stood there and there all day. And even on the interception, I mean, it looked like he had all the time in the world to make those throws. So, you know, there was definitely some promising things there. But overall, I mean, you mentioned that Mike Kosicki, the 50-yarder. I mean, the touch that he had on that throw. And then, I mean, even better was Mike Kosicki just, you know, bumbling and tumbling. He would not go down. So that was awesome to see. You continue to see a lot of that accuracy. I mean, it was that third and five or third and six throw to Gesicki that was right on the money. I mean, from the TV camera, it looked like he might've been short, but that was an awesome throw. I think he hit Matt Collins on the sideline that got called back. So um, you have written here, he looked like Alabama to it. And he really did. I mean, he was accurate. He was decisive in his decision-making, but again, it all got overshadowed by that in- interception in the end zone, which, I mean, you have it right here. It's things that they believe can be corrected. I asked two at the end of the game, you know, how did you think you did? He said, well, I think the better question for that is what didn't I do? Well, I thought I did all right. There were a lot of things that we need to clean up offensively, you know, with our communication, more so our execution with our plays that were given. But first time coming out in a real game like situation environment, I thought was pretty good for the first time. Um, you know, they went on to say, I think Coach Flores, you know, he even said that this was something that was correctable. Wasn't too, you know, discouraged by that interception and liked a lot of the things that he saw. Again, Jake, this kind of goes on with the pattern that we've seen all offseason long. A lot of people wanted to see Tua Tungvaloa take that next step in year two. And, you know, every little obstacle that he's been able to, you know, have any say in, whether it's the offseason workouts, you know, whether it's getting the playbook down, getting the rapport with those receivers. He's done all that. And again, we saw it in the little bit of game action that we did get to see. And Jake, I don't know about you, but it was nice to see it be more than just one or two drives like we speculated because mm-hmm. no one truly knew what we were getting into right. with the uncertainty surrounding three preseason games. Josh, you know, that, that was another point I had watching it. And I kind of got to the point is as if I was wondering if uh, to a throwing that interception, does that mean we get another drive of? of what he can do with this offense is Brian Flores want to make sure they find the end zone because I certainly think they could have, I mean, this was a very enjoyable offense uh, to follow. So I think for now, until we hear otherwise question number one, is there any questions regarding Tua? Because uh, that performance is what we expect. Quarterbacks are going to throw interceptions. Quarterbacks are going to throw touchdowns. Breaking news. Josh, here's the real question. Is the Bears offense bad or is the Miami Dolphins defense really looking that good? You got to think about it, Josh. Chicago didn't record a first down until there were 30 seconds left in the first half. Yeah, that's impre- that's impressive, Jake. And I mean, I think it's a little bit of both here. Again, they're getting some of the kinks out with the Bears offense. You know, Andy Dalton's Andy Dalton, if we're being completely honest. And yep. Miami's defense, I mean, I, I don't know how you felt, Jake, but I mean, the run defense looked better. Um, we, we saw him without Xavier Howard and Byron Jones out there. Nick Needham, I mean, uh, he played awesome, had two pass breakups. I think he was actually uh, PFF's number one graded player for the Dolphins. They get a 90.3. Sorry, mm-hmm. Mike Gesicki was the Dolphins' number one rated player from Pro Football Focus. Nick Needham was a 90. So, I mean, this guy was out there uh ball 
number one defensive get, player. Yeah, there number is. one defensive player. And uh, <laughs> you have written here, Shaquem Griffin. I mean, I posted that play, man. That was so incredible to see him explode through the line, almost get to the quarterback, get to fields there, and then chase him down from behind and force that ball out. So, um, again, that wasn't the first team defense. I think that's what you're asking here. But I do think, Jake, the Dolphins defense um, is a little bit better than what we expected to see this early on. Yeah, Josh, I, I think I have to agree with you there. Uh, Christian Wilkins, I saw him kind of pop off the page with a, an error early. It just seemed like he missed a tackle, but then he made up with it with a, a blow up near the line of scrimmage on a run play, and then he defended the pass. So that was pretty cool to see. Uh, Eric Rowe locked down Cole Komet. That was awesome. Uh, Justin Coleman uh, kind of made Komet look goofy when he tried to hurdle him for some reason. That's certainly what you want to do in the preseason. But yeah, Josh, I think Miami's defense is good. There's a lot of depth, and they're going to be part of more questions. So uh, let's keep on, keep on keeping on here. That is the big que- That is the big thing there, Jake. You did say depth, and I mean, I think that was what was obviously the most impressive to me was just whether it's a defensive line, the linebackers, the secondary, I mean, depth, depth, depth is what this unit has. I'm going to take number three. I want to read this off because I failed to read the question <laughs> off on the first one. So, I mean, again, complete tailspin on Monday morning. Um, but Jake, number three, is it time we accept the fact, and you wrote this, I, I don't want to take credit for this. Is it time we accept the fact that it's at least possible that at age 28 in his sixth year, Jakeem Grant's best season may be coming. How much does it have to do with Jalen Waddle being in the picture? So, uh, Jake, I mean, you mentioned it here. We're seeing it this offseason. We're hearing that Jakeem Grant, I mean, for lack of a better word, seems like a little bit of a different player. You know, he looked explosive out there. I mean, that punt that he returned after Waddle's, I mean, Waddle looked explosive, man. I mean, we were all on the edge mm-hmm. of our seat. We were all excited watching him, you know, change direction. Uh, we we were goosebumps. And then Jakeem Grant came back and almost did the same thing. And I kind of <laughs> joked, you know, are the Dolphins going to run a two punt return system or like a two kick return system? I don't know what they're going to do back there, but um, it's it's definitely a nice problem to have. And you, it was nice to see, um, you know, Jakeem Grant, again, elevate his game a little bit because you could just see him out there. It looked like he was playing a little bit harder after he obviously saw Jalen Waddle take off that big uh, return. But as far as a receiver, Jake, I don't know if this is the year that we see Jakeem Grant take off in this receiving core because, again, it's loaded, 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 but every day a new injury seems to pop up. So your guess is as good as mine, man. What do you think? I think the best opportunity for Grant would be if he gets mismatched, you know, with the third or fourth cornerback. Somehow if a linebacker's on him, that would be pretty fun to see. It all boils back down to one thing, Josh, and that is his ability to catch the ball. If he can do that, I think he uh, will pretty much lock himself up in a spot. And the thing I think is so interesting here is the competition. And I'm not trying to say, you know, Jakeem Grant didn't work before uh, Jalen Waddle showed up. Uh, we saw the videos on Instagram. We saw the videos on Twitter about how often he's working uh, during the offseason. But maybe having someone out there who can do what Jalen Waddle did on that 24-yard punt return just unlocks that little bit of extra sauce that uh, might be needed for him to really prove to Flores and company that uh, he really deserves a spot in this roster despite so many receivers. Jalen Waddle was asked about the offense's overall performance today, and he thought it was smooth. Uh, He said, we got our flow going. It was good to just go out and compete, really. It was good to compete against someone else other than our guys. I think it was a good day. And obviously what Waddle was trying to say there, thank God I didn't have to go against Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. And Nick Needham. And Nick Needham. And Nick Needham Island. Yeah, it's much easier when you're not going against that Dolphins secondary. But, um, you know, Jake, I think maybe – I'm not going to speak for you, but I do think, you know, as hard as I've been on Jakeem Grant, the second that he's recut or, you know, picked up or traded, I do think, you know, that could be what it takes to just push him and elevate him to that next level. I mean, people keep joking. What if he ends up in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes again? I mean, uh, then I'll probably be drafting Jakeem Grant in my fantasy team. You know, that's probably (laughs) what will happen in that situation. Um, Moving on, Jake, you mentioned the offense. A lot of the offense is 
success this season is going to be surrounding the offensive line. And, you know, we talked about a little bit on the pre-show, some of the concerns we had, uh, but that was more focused on the right side of the line. Now we're sitting here talking, oh, shit, you know, this is the left side that we might need to be concerned about. So, uh, Jake, plain and simple, should we worry about Austin Jackson as the team's left tackle without a lot of depth behind him? You have written here, you have five pressures. Panky and Jackson allowed the second most pressures among tackles in week one. I think he was rated a 30.5 or point one, or It was something <laughs> insane by pro football folks. And again, we don't take those. That's not gospel. You know, those are not 100% set in stone, but to get a 30, I mean, I think Jake, you and I could probably went out there and maybe put up a 30 in pass coverage. <laughs> that might be pushing a little bit, but he did. I mean, the five pressures on 18 snaps is a bit concerning for someone like Austin Jackson. And it's just something you start thinking about the fact that, you know, despite us expecting all these guys to take that step, the Dolphins don't have that depth on the offensive line, especially after losing Fluker. So I'm not ready to completely smash the panic button about Austin Jackson. I mean, I think this guy's been drinking beer for about a year. That's how old he is. He's It's his second year in the league. Uh, but you do wish there was a little bit of depth, a little bit of uh, – that left, side of, that left side of line, Josh, is really starting to fall apart when you think about Kinley and Eichenberg fighting over there. Uh, it just seems like it's very shaky ground, and it'd be cool to see someone like Larnell Coleman, the team's seventh-round pick. Uh, he played at UMass, a, a little bit of a smaller school to say the least, uh, but he has the physical traits to become an offensive lineman, so I'm hoping maybe throughout the preseason we can see him start to solidify that second left tackle spot and really start to kind of give the Dolphins a little bit of depth, and that might kind of sure up what the offensive line is really missing probably not but you know we can hope yeah, and I, I hate that we're so down on these, you know, second-year players so yeah, soon, you know, right. because, again, we talked about it. Chicago's defense, that front is pretty damn good. So, you know, even if that was, you know, some of their backups and things like that, I mean. Tua didn't get sacked. Tua, Jake Brisket didn't get sacked. I Jake, mean, that's, that's context, too. Yeah, and again, I mean, I think – I, I don't know, man. I, I think, you know, we definitely have a reason to be concerned because, again, if, if this offensive line can't block and can't take that next step, I don't think this offense can't – either Jake but with Austin Jackson man this is a young player again second season give him some time let's see if these growing pains continue we got joint practice with the Atlanta Falcons if this is an issue you know heading into the regular season a couple weeks in um, you know well at that point we'll push a panic button and at that point you know people are already calling for Chris Greer for the Noah Benogany picks and the Austin Jackson picks I mean um, the Dolphins have had the draft capital Jake so you know there is partly reason why this fan base might be a little bit I guess at the edge of their seat or, you know, waiting and waiting and waiting because there were some very good tackles on the board that they could have went up and got. There are some good centers out there. So um, you can see both sides of this, but let's wait before we call Austin Jackson a bust like we've done so many times before. You mentioned centers, Josh, and surprisingly, that was one of the better positions for the Miami Dolphins on Saturday. Question number five is, do you think you'd be more confident in Michael Dieter if he just had a beard? Yes. 100 percent he's got the wisconsin baby face i have the same type of it's, it's you look older than cheeks. he does you look older than <laughs> <laughs> wait you might be What's, you might be i don't i i, I am older than him that it's is close. that it's is at least, close. Uh, that, that's a shock in itself i don't want to talk about that but uh Dieter, he didn't allow a single sack or pressure he's continued to be the first team center since the starting training camp really and, and flores basically uh, came out and said he's done a nice job good communication good techniques uh, he had tough matchups in practice against Chicago, and in the game he handled himself well. Uh, the way I look at it, Josh, is if Dieter had a beard, I think he'd be better as a run-blocking center. But since he has the baby face, I think he's a better pass pro. That's kind of the, what I, the vision I'm starting to pick up on what's, what's happening here. 
Yeah, it sounds like he'll be much better in all facets of the game. If he just grows a beard and, you know, he's out there, what, wrestling alligators with a uh, sealer in them. And uh, so, I mean, I, I don't know. Daniel I mean, Kilgore, Ted Kras. I mean, these, yeah. these, we, we, these were like uh, Grizzly Adams type guys we had out there. He does need that butt towel that Karras always told us about. <laughs> but um, I think this is a good thing. You know, I did see the one play Michael Dieter was on the ground. I think someone said it might have been a design chop block. I was joking. He was flopping around like a magic cart. But you just want one of these guys to get, you know, take over that starting gig. We talk about it time and time again. They brought in Matt Skura. I, I like that Michael Dieter is, you know, coming into his own and t- showing at 24 years old. I had to look it up, Jake, because I, I didn't know how old he was. <laughs> but at 24 years old, you know, like he, he's proving that he, this is that year. This is that make or break year, you know, to kind of show that you have that in you to be the starting offensive center in the NFL. So uh, I liked what we saw from him, but I'm not ready to <laughs> consider him the starter just yet. Jake, we went through five. Let's jump into a break and we'll get into another five on the back end. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Josh, the questions continue about the Miami Dolphins offensive line, but we're going to branch out a little bit. And question number six is running up the middle. Is it possible? Uh, The Dolphins were stuffed at the one-yard line twice. Malcolm Brown had a five-yard loss. Uh, The Dolphins did average 4.1 yards a carry. Salvan Ahmed was six for 40. Miles Gaskin was four for 19. Malcolm Brown had the Kalen Balazs, Jordan Howard special, uh, nine for eight. And Jared Dokes uh, was three for two. The Dolphins, Josh, what stuck out to me is they had their best runs when they were stretches or to the outside. And I think I kind of, I'm going to kind of pat myself on the back here a little bit because I kind of had this idea that this is the situation the Dolphins might find themselves in. They just cannot block against the run. And, you know, you could say that, you know, Kalen Balazs was terrible. Jordan Howard was terrible. Now everyone wants to say Malcolm Brown is terrible, but it it, is never just as simple as that. I just think the way the Dolphins constructed their offensive line, it was a focus on the pass protection. You think about what they're going to do in this offense in terms of spreading it out lining up five guys wide, you don't necessarily need the guys to run up the middle. And then you can obviously retort with that and say, well, they were stuffed at the one yard line twice. That's a play you need to make. And it just seems like the Dolphins are trying to find that one running back that can be Lusaka play. That's it. It doesn't matter what's happening. I'm not going to sit here and blame Malcolm Brown for all those issues going nine for eight. Time and time again, there were guys living in the backfield. Uh, but it would be nice if there was someone that could get that one yard. I, I don't know if Lusaka Poit's willing to come out of retirement, but that is seems to be the one guy this offense uh, is missing outside of maybe a few offensive linemen. Jake, and I don't know, um, you know, my biggest surprise, I guess, was that I saw Malcolm Brown as the starting running back. You know, he was the guy getting those first touches, and I guess maybe it's because he's a newcomer in here, but, uh, you know, all signs kind of point to Miles Gaskin being that guy with the draft classes and avoiding, you know, the running back situation. Malcolm Brown started, so I don't know how to feel about that. I do know in our podcast, you know, we joked that, you know, is he going to fill that Jordan Howard role? Yes, clearly he is. We saw it, right? I mean, he's going to go to the goal line and get stopped when you don't expect him to. I mean, I think he caught a pass where he should have had a first down. He tried to cut back for some reason. A lot of people are upset with that. So um, I guess, Jake, when the question is, you know, can they run up the middle? Is it possible? I don't know if it is. This is where I would like to see, and, you know, it's, it's kind of a joke, but it's kind of not. You've got Christian Wilkinson in the games, you know, playing fullback. Give the dude the ball. Let him try to get that one yard. We don't 
care how the hell you score, just make it into the end zone. I mean, at least that's how way I feel. So, um, Jake, a lot of those stretches, those outside runs, that's kind of how these backs are designed. You know, a Gaskin, a Salvin Ahmed. We mentioned them getting more involved in the in the receiving game. You specifically, I mean, Salvin Ahmed caught that awesome touchdown on the wheel route from Jacoby Brisket. We're just gonna call him Brisket from now on. And I mean, that's an that- around the NFL podcast uh, came from them. But Jake Brisket, it just it, that, that's so perfect. Perfect. And th- yeah, and then I think Ahmed was the one that had that that deep touchdown in, in training camp. I think that we saw the Dolphins were showing the couple angles of him running down the sideline and burning someone. So this is just an aspect of the Dolphins offense that maybe we should become accustomed to, but you definitely need to be able to pick up one yard. You know, I think what was after that biggest sicky play, I think they threw it to what Mac Hans and they got down inside the one. And then it was just run after run after run, just stop. So um, Jake, I don't know if they can, a lot of words to say. I don't know if they can bring back Larry Zonka, <laughs> best fullback in Dolphins history. I got to say, speaking of fullbacks, I didn't think Carl Tucker looked too bad. I mean, he popped up a couple times, and he seemed to kind of look comfortable out there on the field. You have to wonder if fullback will be a position the Miami Dolphins decide to keep. And, Josh, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think it's it's going to be a three-way uh, battle. I mean, in terms of fantasy, you're going to see a little bit of troubles from the Miami Dolphins. I think Malcolm Brown's going to be that starter. I think Gaskin's probably going to be the main guy with 60% of the snaps. And then Selvan Ahmed's that change of pace back that you really need. Uh, but you know what each of these guys his roles are and I think it's gonna be kind of interesting to watch Jordan Scarlett and Jared Dokes because Jared Dokes kind of reminds me of a mini Gaskin especially early on and, and Jordan Scarlett I think can do a lot of what Savan Ahmed is capable of yeah, I think, and again, it's one of those things where just because, you know, fans look at a Scarlet and, you know, some uh, Dokes and they don't really see those big flashy names. I mean, this coaching staff is just going to preach competition and let the cream rise to the top. So yeah, wait for need- next year on those guys. You just, <laughs> it's like you keep the running back room growing and, and ru- running, I guess. Yeah, and I was stoked. I mean, I guess I should have known this, but I they they changed the practice squad to 16 last year. They're keeping it to 16 this year. So, you know, guys like Scarlett, some of those other guys, you know, receivers mm-hmm. that everyone's in love with, Kirk Maris, those those are the place for those guys. Um, I guess we throw out this quote here from Austin Jackson. He said, yeah, it's difficult at times. One of the things we stress is getting into the red zone and scoring. To have, I know one was a turnover, and to think the other was just lost to downs, it's frustrating for sure. So there's Austin Jackson. Again, our left tackle basically saying, we got to figure this out before the season starts. Jake? On to number seven, man. And since, again, I'm terrible at asking questions, I'm going to do this one. How many games does Mac Collins start this year? He caught both targets from Tulatunga Valoa for 20 yards on Saturday. Best ability is availability you have written here. And, Jake, I mean, Mac Collins is as available as any of these guys, right? And we continue to see the rapport he has with um, Tulatunga Valoa, the chemistry those two guys have. If Mac Collins is starting games for the Dolphins, I don't know if that's a good thing. But, I mean, I almost feel like it's expected at this point. Am I right? It's just kind of the role he plays, which I think is so interesting. And I think it's going to be the role that Devontae Parker plays as well. His, his bit largest catch of the day, he basically ran down the field, came right over the middle, sat down in front of the safety and made the catch. Boom, first down, keep the chains going. I just think that uh, it's a nice backup to have to someone like Devontae Parker because you're going to have the Will Fuller's uh, – Jalen Waddles, everyone like that, kind of keeping the secondary back, keeping the safeties deep. So you need someone who's big, physical, can, you know, fight over the linebackers and get into the middle of the field, the weak spots of the zone, and really take advantage of it. We saw Gasicki do it on that play where uh, Tua had the touch and, and made the right read. But having someone like Hollins, I don't think is a bad thing. I don't think starting him is necessarily a bad thing. He's reliable if you can get the ball to him, and, and Tua seems to – not make his uh, receivers work too, too hard in terms of uh, having to break free. He can split it into tight windows. So Josh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see Matt Collins start, you know, four to six games this year. And I don't necessarily think I'd be worried about it either. 
think, you know, maybe with the way they're looking at Matt Collins, and I'm uncertain if this was an exact quote from the three yards per carry guys, but I do believe they alluded to him taking some reps at tight end. So, Jake, you know, when you see Matt Collins yeah. lined out there on the outside, you know, to create those mismatches, I mean, he's 6'4", 221 pounds. I joke, I don't know if you saw it, but he has that fro, so I joke that, you know, he's Randy Moss, and every time he does something good, I have that uh, picture photoshopped and ready to go of him doing the little moon thing that he did. <laughs> he played uh, Green Bay, but I mean, Jake, again, I don't know if he's going to end up starting. Again, that would mean that this receiving core is, you know, in shambles perhaps, but I do think that they might view him as an offensive weapon and a guy who, again, you know, you heard the bears beat writers talking, Matt Collins was a problem, no matter who he lined up against. I mean, yeah. just cause he's this, uh, you know, just cause he didn't thrive in Philly, just cause, you know, he didn't become this, you know, number one wide receiver right out of the gate. doesn't mean that he can't still become an asset. And we're seeing it again, fade against uh, Arizona last year. And again, just throughout this season, the chemistry with him and Tua Tonavaloa. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, when he does get out in the field, how often Tua targets him, because it does seem like those two have something going on number eight josh is the miami dolphins run defense finally fixed man i'm the one that brought this up and i don't even have an answer for you so that's kind of <laughs> embarrassing it said the bears averaged 7.1 yards per carry again a lot of that had to come against the second string and you know some of those yep. backups because what we saw i mean but again, we're talking about the starters, but Benito Jones was making plays. I mean, you saw him out there showing up on film. You mentioned Christian Wilkins. I mean, the way he back came back on the one play and, and took out the guy's leg for the tackle. You just saw different pieces surrounding just come around and prove that, you know, maybe this was going to be a different season because we mentioned how a McKinney would help that defense and some of these other pieces. We didn't even get to see them go out there, you know, full, full go and, and see how that would affect things. So um, Jake, I don't know if it's fixed, but it de definitely looked a lot different than what we saw last year in a good way. And that's, you know, the step in the right direction, considering how bad they've been in years past. Yeah, David Montgomery said he was, uh, I think he was actually sore and might miss some time with an injury after the game. And and Josh, this is really a to be determined for me because that seven, uh, seven yards per carry uh, was pretty rough. And despite the fact that it was a lot of second teamers, second teamers are going to see some snaps in the regular season. So I... I'm not going to kind of, you know, wipe this off the shoulders and think it was a strong performance. But at the same time, I do understand that uh, there was a lot of talent missing in this group. And it's safe to say that when it returns, this run defense, I think, should be a bit better than what we've seen in the past couple of years where the Dolphins seem to break franchise record after franchise record for yards given up in a single season. Num yeah. Oops, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. I, I didn't know what I was going to say, so I was just going to. Number nine. Nick Needham, True Williams, can Miami's depth at cornerback, Josh, absorb Noah Igbenogany's struggles? It's going to have to, right, Jake? Because it doesn't seem like Noah Igbenogany is going to become that player that, you know, I, I hate to say that because, again, it's his second offseason. But yeah. as of now, you know, it doesn't look like the Dolphins can count on Noah Igbenogany to be that player that they had hoped he'd honestly be, you know, when they were going through all the Xavier Howard things here and there. But Nick Needham, man, I mean, that is a pleasant surprise. We mentioned how awesome he did. Um, got a quote here. He was asked, it seemed like he had a lot of hands on the ball today, especially on the deep ball. He said, yeah, that's what we preach every day as a point of emphasis. No deep balls and get your hands on the ball. Every time the ball is in the air, turn around and look. You want to come down with the interception, but if you can't, just don't let the receiver catch it. I think we did a pretty good job of that. And, you know, Nick Needham said we did a pretty good job of that. I don't know if the entire unit did, but Nick Needham certainly did. I mean, we saw him lined up in single coverage, and, I mean, he went out there and made plays, and that's all you can really ask of him. Trill Williams, I mean, I joke, Jake, but did you see the clip that he posted? You know, he's called himself the boogeyman. He knocked the receiver on his ass in bump and run <laughs> coverage. It was just a delight to see, and this was a guy who, you know, played some safety at Syracuse. We continue to preach versatility, versatility. He's a weapon that I want to see how the Dolphins utilize because you saw him playing on the outside. Um, you know, what can he do? I'm excited. And I do think that, you know, 
Can they absorb Noah's struggles? I don't know, but they're going to have to. Yeah, Flores, I think, has been a big fan of Trey Williams all offseason. I think he's had a lot of praise for him. Uh, but, Josh, there was a point I was really jazzed up because I saw Nick Needham had a pass defended, and, and Noah actually got in front of a ball, too. He finished with a pass defended, and so I was a little jazzed up there thinking the Dolphins uh, figured out Igbenogany. Igbenogany figured out himself. He's going to be ready to go this year. Uh, then he had four tackles. One was a run uh, stop. Going to the outside, I think he tackled a running back five yards past the line of scrimmage. And then he allowed three completions for 44 yards and tackled the guys as a result. So, so it's a bit concerning. But, uh, you know, you think about even Justin Coleman, right, as the starting slot guy. I think having Nick Needham's, Trill Williams, it just continues to take pressure off Noah Igbenogany for however long it takes him to maybe figure it out. Hopefully he does. But uh, I was hoping to see more out of him. It started on a high note, getting it in front of a pass, knocking it down, but it quickly fell apart after that. Yeah, and shame on me for not bringing that up because he did have that nice pass breakup and would look like a very good Justin Fields throwing ball. And I, I want to throw this out there just because it was from straight from PFF just on how good Nick Needham was. He played 30, 30 snaps, 23 run coverage, had four targets, only allowed two receptions, 15 yards, and two pass breakups. So, again, this is what you want to see. Again, the secondary is loaded. And, you know, Jake, we're sitting here talking about the offensive line. I mean, I think maybe the Dolphins are definitely going to be calling around to some teams and hopefully, you know, trying to figure some of that veteran depth there. Maybe you dangle one of these corners. Maybe you dangle one of those receivers because they are loaded units. Um, but twofold, you know, one of these guys go down, and that could be the entire season. Josh, we got one left, and it's special. If you guys are still here. <laughs> you want to talk about some special teams? That's, that's what I had for a question. I'm hit fire on that one. Josh, I mean, just got to give the credit where credit's due. Jason Sanders, two for two uh, in field goals. His long was from 35. And then you got Michael Pilardi. Uh, he, had, he did have a touchback, but he dropped two balls inside the 20, including a kick that went 68 yards. So, Josh, it seems like whether it was uh, Darren Rizzi of a couple of years ago or whoever Brian Flores is liking in a given year, uh, special teams – seems to be one of the strengths for the Miami Dolphins. It does. And it almost felt like something we had to bring up because I mean, the announcers, Jason Sanders kicked the one field and he goes, this guy's aces. And you know, Polardi, that one, he boomed the, the, the return man dropped it, fumbled into the end zone and what tried to run it back out. Got what two yards. Cause it would have been a safety. I mean, that's the type of stuff. I mean, this guy changed field position and you know, it was such a, Small move and so minor it seemed at the time, but it just seems like the Dolphins will leave no stone unturned in trying to upgrade a position. At least that's what it seemed like in the first game and what we continue to hear throughout training camp is that Mike Pilardi is the, the left leg of God. And, you know, we saw it firsthand versus the Chicago Bears. And it was risky business bringing in someone who is coming off a year-long injury. And it seems to be working out, of course, one preseason game. Uh, so we're not going to completely say that he's the next uh, Hall of Fame punter. But, Josh, we had some practices with the Chicago Bears. Moving forward, the Miami Dolphins are now going to have some practices with the Atlanta Falcons beginning on Wednesday. So we're recording this on Monday. I thought it'd be a good idea to go through a little preview. So we'll be back on Tuesday with another show. Uh, but for some reason, if it gets held up and it's released Wednesday night, I encourage you to go and hit that subscribe button to know when an episode is actually released. Everyone gets caught up in everyday life. There's a lot of news coming out. So uh, we'll try to keep you up guys updated with everything going on uh, if you want more up-to-date info if you want some memes follow josh on twitter at h-o-u-t-z uh i kind of go in spurts of i'll have one really good tweet and a couple mediocres and then one really good tweet uh you can follow me at jmendel31 that's wrong jmendel94 another dollar goes in the jar uh josh you got anything to say before we wrap up here uh, after the dolphins finally began the 2021 nfl season i'll be at the preseason 
No, just, you know, from an overall perspective, I mean, the defense looked like they were as advertised in the offense. You know, you definitely saw some promising signs in the limited action. But guys, like Jake said, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. I know this may have been a bit all over the place, but if you like what you're listening to, the only way to get up-to-the-minute news and notes from us is by subscribing to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review or any review. And if you ever have any questions, concerns, or like what you're listening to, hit us up on Twitter. I am at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z, and I'm going to say Jake's again because he still doesn't know it, at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. Like Jake said, we will be back in the next few days, giving you a preview of joint practices with the Atlanta Falcons. But until then, guys, thank you so much for listening to SB Nation's Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show. I'm Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.